Ready? Born ready. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome again to Simply Paulette. I'm really vibing with that music today. I always try to every week. And you know what? I just want to sort of talk to you mothers out there today. Got a lot going on, you know, this war in Ukraine. And uh, to be honest with you, it's really hard not to be a little emotional right now. I'm just sort of trying to be true where I'm at. And just maybe it may relate to you in some of the situations you find yourself in. I know to a lot of us, you know, because we're not seeing bombs here in the United States, we may have some distance to the reality of what's going on. I've always had children who are quite adventurous of not just traveling domestically, but, you know, they're traveling internationally, always been somewhat a work of their own desires and um, their curiosity. This week, um, it's been a little heavy. Um, My oldest son, he and his wife just uh, left to go to Germany. His wife is an officer in the military. And um, Nick is a, a musician by trade, and, you know, he's used to traveling, and it's always been that of his career, but they're in a different space right now. As an officer in the military, you know, there is a reality that she may be uh, sent over to Ukraine. We know that um, right now she's going to be stationed in Germany, but that is a reality. And so just this week, just been a lot dealing with that, Certainly, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about losing loved ones. And, you know, in reality, this is just life. This is how life happens. And if you're a mother, your father, life is always coming and you're finding yourself having to find some kind of way of navigating through it and um, seeing the lessons that life is trying to teach and also trying to pass the tests that will give us the promotion and the growth and the expansion that we need. And I'm certainly no different from any other individual. And I was just talking to several people this week, just trying to get through my responsibility of work and relationship, that connection with my children. And I was just noticing how important that perception is in us being able to effectively communicate. And perception is everything, you know, and we often take it for granted that just because we are speaking the same language, have an understanding of the same vocabulary, we often think that that equates to effective communication. And it isn't, you know, 
in reality, if you are communicating and you're finding that there that there's something that just can be felt and even visualized when there is a effective communication that's going on. And I just wanted to share one of the um, situations in my life that happened that I had to sort of resort to even today in talking to somebody. When I, I went through my divorce, I felt that the very first thing I needed to do was to get some professional counseling because I don't know, have you ever just felt a moment in your life where you were just completely devastated? You know, just sort of felt like you had been completely knocked out and you didn't know if you were coming or going. You didn't know even which direction to go. That's how I was. And in that moment, I felt like I needed some support, but I wasn't even clear and could not even articulate what kind of support I needed. I just knew I was in trouble. And so I went to a psychiatrist. And the reason why I chose a psychiatrist at the time versus a psychologist is because I wasn't even sure if I was not going to need some kind of medical aid to just help me function. And I know a psychiatrist would be able to administer medicine to me versus a psychologist typically work on modification behavior. And I just was in a place was I, I I was not going to limit myself to what may be needed to get me through that situation. And the very first thing they did, they gave me an assessment. And I had to go through several questions of, about different areas in my life. And at the completion of it, he walked in and he said, I want to sort of explain to you um, what my conclusion was after reading your question uh, questionnaires. And I said, okay. He said, there are different stages in which we evaluate people. Um, this isn't verbatim, but it was. this is pretty a subnoxious of, of what he said to me. There are people who are what we consider to be low risk. You know, they're just needing some alternative or either hear their own thoughts and just sort of talk through it. The, then there's another level of being in a middle of the road alert where you're just sort of on the blink of it being really bad or being okay. And he said, you are at the top of that chart. You're in what we would call high alert. And he said, you are considered to be in high alert because when a traumatic event has happened in somebody's life and it interrupts three or more important areas of their life of functioning, we consider that person to be at a high alert because they're in survival mode. 
they've been so traumatized by what has happened that it's affected three or more major areas in which they operate comfortably. He said, right now what you're going through, it has interrupted your relationship, your marriage. It's, it's over. Second, it has interrupted how you're going to engage with your children. It has interrupted your social status and how you relate to people in what have been the relationships of 30 years. It calls into question some of the things you believed in and were convicted of in, in your faith. It has affected your finances because now you are to approach life as being the primary giver to yourself. It affected how you are going to retire, how you're going to, the housing you're going to choose. So he said, right now, you're no different than an individual who have found themselves in a sinking ship, and now you're in the middle of the ocean. And he said, and you're trying to prevent from drowning. He said, you haven't given up, but you're fighting to survive. And he said, everything that you look at is through the prism of survival. He said, so even when people come up and just have a simple conversation with you now, you're thinking through a survival mode. And you're going to find in this process of going through therapy, we're trying to stabilize you so that you can have a different perspective. Because all you have right now as a, a point of reference is how life used to be and where I am now. And it has caused everything that you're doing to be in question. Because some of the things you've done, you thought you were doing them right, and they should have equated different results. Because it didn't, you're second-guessing yourself. So we, we're going to have to reestablish those things that can remain, and we're going to have to choose the direction you want to go as to what your future is going to look like. And so when I was sitting there, I was listening with an open mind and heart, but still not able to process all that he was telling me, you know, but just trying to stay open. But I began to realize how I began to approach business decisions, everything after that 30 years. And I can tell you now, five years later, some of the things I did in the first year was completely out of character completely out of line with reasonable thinking, but I didn't see that I was that far off because I was doing what I needed to do to survive. And I survived. And when I survived and I got on shore, when you're on shore, it still doesn't mean that you don't need help. What's the most um, out of character thing you felt you done? You know that you don't mind sharing. Yeah. Okay. For one thing that I did, um, 
I I had a building. I've always been in building. Um, there were certain when when you're doing construction from ground up, there are a lot of things that you need to take in consideration. Because I needed to get away from what was my um, environment that I had always been in, which was Georgia. I decided to go and build out of state in Louisiana. The building requirements in Georgia is totally different from that in Louisiana. And the one major thing that don't even seem significant, um, you just think when you build a house, you build a house, not a big deal. But when I moved to Louisiana because I was not thinking well, a lot of my motivation of building down down there was to meet the contractor's licensing requirement. And second, I knew you put a screw in a house in Georgia the same way you do in Louisiana. But the difference is, if I would have been in my right mind, I would have first take took in consideration one of the changes when you've moved from state to state is the building codes. You know, so in Georgia, you know, we got rock, clay. So our building codes make a lot of reference to that. One of the building codes in Louisiana I didn't think about is they're on water. So when I was taking in calculation, there were certain things that they do in their building that, that upgraded even after Katrina was these things, how they support uh, houses. It's called PALS. They put PALS in a house. It's sort of like... That's when they kind of like uh, raise them. Correct. In, in here, we do foundations and things, but these PALS are so significant and so costly because you are driving like a telephone pole that may be 60 feet down into the ground to support that house, and you do it all the way around. I didn't even consider that when I gave my bid. But I'm going to tell you how good God is. I just happened to be, and, and this was another thing, the architect that was working for me should have caught certain things. Um... But he didn't. But it didn't matter how how that happened. It just wasn't human oversight and gross negligence on both of our part as licensed individuals. But how good God is when the inspector began to tell me these plans are made without any reference to Powell's, I immediately froze because I was in a locked-in contract. And he said, but wait a second. It'll take me two or three days to get back with you, but I think you just happen to be on the border of a property that does not require it. And you know what? I was three, uh, well, not three, nine feet away from needing pals. And you know what? That would have been like a $30,000 difference. You know, now, the reason why I say it was a human error and it was negligence 
in the circumstance that I was in because I've built in Texas, I've built in Oklahoma, and I am extremely aware that every state requires different building requirements. For me to not take that in consideration, I know it was because I was in survival mode, you know, total. And so I am just saying there are certain times in your life, and I want to say this to everybody, we're all in that in a continual basis. And I think becoming self-aware of that helps you to become aware when you in a low alert, a mid alert, and a high alert. Now I've become very consciously aware because this week I was thrown into situations that put me in a high alert. Just, it was devastating to me. You know, um, I, I had planned to close on some property, had completely relied upon the individual in our conversations to be solid. I was in a high alert because even the business decision itself was coming from me losing my father. And this situation was my father has a nice-sized farm down in Georgia. And he sold one acre to somebody. They built a home. When I found out they were selling it, in my emotional state is I want to add that acre, which was a part of my dad's property, back to the family estate. So I was excited about purchasing it. Went through all the negotiations with the owner, and we exchanged texts of the deal, how we were going to do it, had off and on conversations, rode the property together, and we were supposed to close on the 28th of uh, February. So I'm all excited. I'm really beginning to share this news because it brought some consolence uh, to me to add this back to my father's property. And I, I ended up uh, coming from the funeral of my uncle, and I, I made sure that I had another conversation with the person that we were going to close. And the whole time I, I came to find out, a day before, it was certain things that were said I should have caught, but I didn't catch it. This person kept telling me, said, you know what, we closing the deal. Just bring the money because all I'm concerned about is who put the money in my hands first. You know what? Dang. That was said to me three or first time, three or four times. Now, I had several conversations that I said, here's the terms in which we both need to meet. Do you agree? He said, yes. He said, we're good. I want you to have it because I know it's your father's property and, you know, you mean this much to me. And so each conversation was closed out. Just get the money to me. 
because all that matters to me is the money. So I'm making all these arrangements. A day or two before, I say a day or two, the week, just say the week of, because I'm still a little distraught about it. The the week of the closing where I was supposed to meet on the 28th, I noticed it was a lot of changes because I was buying this property from somebody that's very close to me, you know. So I noticed some changes on the property, you know, and it was sort of out of character to our sale. And because I noticed the difference, I went back to this person and I said, we're still on, right? He said, yeah, because you know what matters to me is who get the money in my hands first. Okay, I'm not catching that because I'm a very straightforward person. So because I felt uncomfortable, I knew the realtor who had listed the property. And I just called him and asked, had the property been sold? She told me, yes, it closes on the 28th. So the whole time I was closed, you know, working on this deal, this had been under contract. It was sold. And I even made concessions for this person to stay on my father's property because it was an Airbnb. I made concessions for them to stay there until it closed. And it just turned out to be a horrible situation. But immediately after that happened, you know, it was uh, several um, things that, that could have been done to try to intervene that situation. And I knew from my previous situations of my divorce that when you're in high alert, you need to go for shelter. You don't need to make a decision. You don't need to move. You don't need to even rationalize when you're in a high emotional state of distraught. And so what I am saying to you today is life is going to happen. What you don't want to do is get afraid of life. You don't want to do that. You don't want to get afraid to live. You don't want to get afraid of stepping out by faith and taking decisions. What you want to do is remember in every moment that you have been met with disappointment, uh, tragedy, or trauma, that you've made it out. And you should start learning some of the protocols that help you made it to a safe place. And so I'm sitting here today and I've had to regroup myself. And I found myself in a lot of situations and what, the, what I've learned from this situation that was different from the last situation of my divorce, what I've come away from this is perception is everything. And the biggest perception that you need to take in negotiating is not just seeing from your side. Listen and seeing the other person's side. Because if anybody else says something so consistently to me again, 
it will cause me to pay attention. When somebody say we closed on a deal, we're good, we shake hands, but they say to me more than one time, bring me the money because the only thing that matters to me is money first. I will do what Maya Angelou said. When a person tell you who they are, believe them. You know, and my perception has been always to hear people, but be hopeful enough that what I am saying, we are on the same page. But if you stop and it's two things that you can do that will always tell you if you and another person is on the same page. Watch what you and they say and watch what you and they do. When the do do not add up to what is being said, you need to know they are operating from a different perception. And, um, and it'll give you the strength to make a decision that would be in your best interest. And I just want you to just take those things in consideration as you're moving forward. I don't want you to be mindful of my disappointment, but more mindful of my courageousness to move forward and not be bitter, but to learn. And to also know that just because you are talking, just because people are hearing your words, doesn't mean that you are effectively communicating. It just means that there are an exchange of words. But when you are effectively communicating, then it gives you the power to make a decision that is good for you and also give you insight into the other person's perspective. It doesn't mean it does. Life has absolutely no guarantees. It has no guarantees. But life affords opportunities to, for you to see that you're much stronger than you thought you were. I want to thank you again for listening to another episode of Simply Paulette. And I want to encourage you today to, as you go through this next week and through the rest of your life, just remember that perspective is everything. And just make sure that your communication is an inclusion of not your own perception, but those that you're speaking with. We'll see you again next week. And this has been another production of the Jess Eldridge Media. <laughs>